Hello and welcome to the Hales Owen Apostolic Church. Apostolic meaning what God says, not what man thinks. Please enjoy this teaching and if you want more, visit the website at halesowenapostolicchurch.org. This morning, church, I just want to bring you a, a scripture this morning for us to reflect on and to, to think about and to talk around, and most importantly, to see how it affects every single one of you and what it means for you as you walk out this door. You see, my, my, my normal sort of process with building sermons is to start the week with God, because God knows exactly what he wants to say to you as individuals and as a church. You see, our Lord knows the needs of everybody in this room. He knows all the trials and tribulations. He knows everything that's going through your mind and your heart right now. So I pray, and I pray to the Lord that he would give us something today, as he always does, for the needs of us this Sunday. And what I felt the Lord press onto me was the, the trials and tribulations, and it's quite interesting how the Lord confirms the word with Leslie in her prayer and obviously we've, we've been speaking I can see over the past few days on WhatsApp about the, the, the trials and tribulations that people are going through and the sense of urgency and maybe the question why so guys if you'd like to turn to Luke 8 22 this morning that's Luke 8 22 this morning and for you for those that, that are new to the bible so so luke is part of the gospels and there's four gospels matthew mark luke and john and luke was a a a, a, a gentleman that wrote the the life of jesus christ his ministry and everything that went in between that before he went to the cross died and was resurrected on the third day so preaching out of eight, Luke eight, twenty-two. Now it happened on a certain day that he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, "Let us cross over to the other side of the lake." And they launched out, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filled with water, and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? The message of the sermon today is storms of peace and faith. Storms of peace and faith. And you might be thinking, well, how does that relate to that? Because this is a storm of trial and tribulation. This is a storm of understanding or lack of understanding of who Jesus was in that boat. But the Lord unpacked it to me in such a way which he wanted to say to you this morning, you need to develop a storm of peace and faith. 
just, just step back slightly in the Gospel of Mark. So these guys, these, these disciples that are in the boat with, with Mark, think about it. If they'd been walking with Jesus for a number of years, maybe two years, I'm not too sure on the specifics, what we do know is that Jesus walked the earth for three and a half years. And we can see that all the miracles and things that Jesus did before that point, if we go right back to the beginning, Jesus called them with a simple commandment, come, follow me. And they did. What was it that they saw in Jesus at that moment in time? There was something on him that drew people towards him. You see, the Bible says that he draws all men to him. And for these disciples, the invitation to come and follow him was offered and it was taken. It was taken through faith. <coughs> through faith. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus walked in today and he didn't really know other than maybe a few words of rumors of who he was when he got baptized in the river by John, John the Baptist. And maybe they might have heard the fact that the Lord said from heaven, this is my beloved son who I'm most pleased with. Maybe they knew and heard about that. Maybe they got a sense as he walked around the Sea of Galilee that they knew that this was the Messiah, the Lamb of God. Maybe they just saw him and thought, I need to follow him. You see, the Lord calls us in different ways. The Lord came to us in different ways. We are all individual and unique. He's not a God that is a, robo a robotic process. He created you individually for personal relationship with him. That was the purpose before the fall, before sin entered the world, before the corruption of what we see and feel now came upon this world. Jesus said, come and follow me. And they did. They walked with him. They saw him. They, they saw the miracles the, the, the raising of dead, turning water into wine. They experienced Jesus in real life. They could touch him, they could feel him, they could sense him, they could seek after him, they could learn from him. They observed him. He taught them. He discipled them. He molded them. This was a journey of faith. For two years before they got into this boat and they appeared within a storm, their life must have been amazing. Nothing but nothing had come against them in such a degree as this storm. Their walk with Jesus was incredible. Life was good. I wondered this morning if that resonates with you. If you met Jesus at the beginning... And if you haven't, maybe you need to ask me later how you can do that. But I'm sure that the majority of us have met Jesus, just as the disciples did, in a unique way. We discovered the glory and the love of our, our Savior. He came to us and he lived inside of us and continue, continues to do that today. You've probably seen things happen. You've been on the top of the mountains where Jesus has poured out blessings in your life. Have you forgot today that this same God is the one that you serve today, that you served yesterday and the years before? He's the same God. 
with the same power, with the same promises and commitment as it was 2,000 years ago as it is today. The Lord is your Savior. He is your God and he is the truth. It's going back to the scripture. Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. Let's get in the boat. And why wouldn't they? If that was us and we'd seen all these miracles, life was good. No problem, Jesus. Let's get a boat. Let's get in the boat. We're going to the other side. We're going to somewhere where we can preach the good news again. We're going to go to another place where you can do miracles, Jesus. Because that's what we've seen and experienced I can't wait, let's go, let's get in the boat. And then, they experience something totally different. Something they've never experienced before in their walk with Jesus. A storm. A storm. But to make matters worse, where is Jesus? He's asleep. He's asleep. And their reaction is probably the same reaction that we have when we are in a storm. Lord, why are you asleep? Lord, why aren't you answering my prayers? Lord, why aren't you walking with me? Lord, why am I not seeing the results that I'm experiencing, that I'm expecting, because of the things that I'm experiencing? Lord, do you care? Of course he cares. The disciples saw that. And that's an important message for us to understand this morning. Jesus cares for you. He loves you. He wants the very best for you. The storm will come. Why are we surprised? Why are we surprised when life turns up with trials and tribulations? Because the Bible is very clear that that is going to happen. The disciples didn't think that was going to happen. Think about that. They were walking in bliss. They were walking this life with Jesus, not expecting a storm to come. But we know the truth because we can read the truth. Storms do appear. Trials do happen. Tribulations do come. So they woke Jesus. <laughs> like we do in prayer. Where are you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? And very gently, he appears. Not like a spiritual appearance, but he appears in your situation. His presence comes into the room where you pray. The disciples had the physical Jesus. We have the supernatural Jesus living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. I love the response of the disciples because I think this mirrors what we as, as humans do as well. <laughs> if you read in, in Luke 8, it says, Master, Master, we are perishing. There's almost a, a sense of urgency, a sense of despair in my word. What am I doing? What am I going to do? There's this, this, I suppose, this perspective of, 
oh my word, everything is going wrong. I have no control on the situational circumstance. We are perishing. But I love the way that the scripture says, very gently, but with authority, it says, then he rose. I wonder where we've heard that before. He rose on the third day. He rose in power and in victory through the resurrection. In the boat, he rose with power and authority. The victory was already done because he knew exactly what was to come and to demonstrate who he was to these disciples. Power and authority. I will show you that even nature that I created, I control. The scripture says that he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. Today, what is raging in your life? What is the raging water in your life? Is the wind against you? Do you feel like you're trying to push through, but the wind is pushing you back? Do you feel the rain is keeping you so bogged down that you can't move your feet? Well, guess what? The answer is in the boat. The answer is Jesus. You don't need to move your feet. You don't need to push forward. You just need to say, Jesus, I am perishing. He will arise in your life and he will take care of the situation. It may not be an instant thing, but the Bible teaches us that we should have perseverance. Perseverance, that we should not lose hope. But take heart. There was a calm. He rebuked the raging wind and water. And there was a calm. But the bigger question that Jesus was asking his disciples which is probably something that we need to ask ourselves this morning. Where is your faith? Where do you go when the, the seas and the storms are against you? A couple of years ago, I had a bit of a revelation, as I do, from the Lord. And he gave me this image of this storm. And what I love about God, and we all know this, that he uses the natural to demonstrate the supernatural. He will use things in the world, almost like parables, to demonstrate the glory of God and the power of him through his supernatural world. And what he showed me, and it's a pity I haven't got it on the screen, but he, a hurricane, if you imagine, if you can, I don't know whether you know a hurricane on a weather map, You've got a storm cloud around, and in the middle, you have a center that is the peace of the storm. It's the eye of the storm. And in the eye, you have perfect peace. Jesus is our perfect peace. This world is the hurricane. You are in the storm of this world. But in the middle of the world, 
There is perfect peace. There is Jesus Christ who gives peace, not as the world does, but only as he can. To push into the perfect peace. Push into the place where you can go to and invite God's presence. We need to cultivate a storm of peace through faith. Overcome the storm with the storm of peace. See, God is shaping you in the valley. You can only improve or increase in strength and in knowledge through trials and tribulation. There's some things in the valley that you can only experience and grow in that is not on top of the mountain. What do I mean? Things on top of the mountain are roses. As the disciples saw for two years, they walked but they didn't experience the depth of the storm as, it, as they did in that boat. The things that they learnt in the boat are the things that they could not have learned outside of the storm. They, they learned that they really do need to depend on Jesus. Don't we? We need to learn to depend solely on him. Not through our own thinking, through our own understanding not through the kingdom of darkness. Our perspective needs to be on the, through the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was showing them. What is your perspective in the boat? We are perishing. Hey, that's not kingdom value. My kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, is full of truth. It's full of power. It's full of authority. It is full of promises that are amen and amen. You see, the Bible teaches us in Galatians 6, 9 that we shouldn't be weary. It says in James 1, 12 that we should be patient through tribulation. Hmm. Hebrews 10, 35 says we need to persevere. Don't be weary. Be patient, persevere, persevere. You see, without those three qualities, you are always going to be pushing against the wind. Without those three qualities that Jesus gives us through his Holy Spirit, we're always going to be treading water. Don't be weary, not through your strength, but through the power of the Spirit that lives inside of you. Be patient, again, it's through the fruit of the Spirit. Persevere. <laughs> wow, we all need perseverance in this life. And I'm thankful that our Lord gives us the power of perseverance. You see, when you're in a storm, guys, the perspective of the boat that you're in and who's in the boat makes all the difference. I wonder who's in your boat today through the storm that you're currently sitting in. I wonder if you've invited things into your boat that are not helpful. Because whoever's in your boat are the things that will be speaking to you. Who's speaking to you this morning? Are you looking to Jesus? Is, is he in your storm, in your boat? Or are you looking to man and the answers in the world? 
You see, that's a dangerous position to be in, guys. The person that's in your boat is the most important thing that you need in the storm. Jesus calls himself our good shepherd. We are his flock, his sheep. Why would he go and find another shepherd? Is he not good enough for you? Does he not give you everything you need? Does he not feed you and support you and protect you and provide for you? Does he not lead you to quiet places, new pastures? Yes, he does. We know that because the truth is in the Bible. So why do we second guess? Why do we stand in storms and second guess what the Lord should be doing? I've done it. Lord, why aren't you doing this? Well, perhaps because the Lord doesn't want to do that at the moment. Or maybe, Ma, I'm building you and shaping you in the storm. Therefore, what you think is the answer today is not the answer that I'm going to give you. There is a purpose in everything that he does. Even in the bad times, he will take that and use it for glory, for his purpose in your life. He will turn the filthy rags into riches. In Isaiah 55, 8, it clearly tells us, for my thoughts, the Lord, are not your thoughts. His thoughts are not your thoughts. So why do we think that we know his thoughts? He can reveal thoughts to us. But don't second guess his thoughts. You see, in Proverbs 3, 5, he says that we trust, we should trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. Two scriptures that should really cut to the heart of the storm. Don't think for yourself. His thoughts are higher than our ways. Don't trust in man or your ability, but with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Hmm. I think somebody mentioned it earlier. I can't remember who it was. Pray. Prayer is so important in the storm. It builds up faith. The word of God that's inside of you builds up faith. It's the solid foundation that we should be on. The name of Jesus, the chief cornerstone. Our faith is on the book of the Bible. How many times do we go to the word of God in the storm? Do we? This is the answer and the preparation of life. There is nothing but nothing that you do not need to seek outside of this book. For this book is your life. This book contains everything you need to feed your soul this morning and to satisfy the situation that you are in. So what is your situation this morning? Are you being patient? Are you persevering? Maybe you become weary. That's fine. 
Jesus was weary. Jesus got anxious in the garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. So much that blood was pouring. So don't be condemned this morning. God is not in the world today to condemn you, but just to check your spirit and to draw you near to him with a perspective of his kingdom versus the kingdom of the world. overcome the storm with the storm of his presence. Overcome the storm with the storm of his presence. Presence and truth. You see, there's nothing better than the presence of God. For those that were with us on Wednesday night in Bible study, the presence of the Lord was so real and so tangible that it was undeniable. The presence of God touched us on Wednesday night. And because we, we entered into his presence through praise and worship, he came to us, and that's the promise of the Bible. He says, where two or three are gathered, that I am in the midst of you. You see, in the boat, there were two or three that were gathered. He was in the midst of that storm. Where you are, he will be with you. Today, we are gathered in the name of Jesus. He is with us. His presence and truth overcome storms. Before he went and ascended up to heaven, he promised us that he would send us a comforter, a helper, the Holy Spirit. Haven't we received the Holy Spirit this morning? Doesn't that dwell inside of us? Do we call upon the power of the Holy Spirit to help us through the storms of our life? Do we allow him to speak and to give us comfort and to help us? Or do we think we know best? In our boat, we fill it full of stuff that is of the world and not of God. What resources are in your boat today? And I preach here this morning with a heart of hope, but of realism. I've been in storms, trials, tribulations. I've been in deep valleys. I'm not here today preaching to say, shut up, put up, and get up out of the boat. Quite the opposite. I'm saying, you should invite the presence of God into your situation. Number one, do not move until you invite him into your situation. Do not think and second guess what he should be doing without inviting him into your prayer, your daily devotion. The word of God, as I said, should be feeding your soul every day. This is goodness for your soul, for your mind, for your spirit, for everything that you are. He created you to be in communion with him. This is him, the living word of God. 
How many times have you been with the Word of God this week? We offer up prayers, don't we, to, to our Lord. Help us. Pleading. Help us, please, Lord. It's a great start. At least you've gotten in the boat. So the Holy Spirit says that he would reveal to us things, that he searches the deep things of God. He can bring things to your, your heart, your spirit, if you let him. He can bring the deep things of God to your situation. He can give you something that is of hope and of peace. In Psalm 34, 7, I love this, guys. Listen to this. In Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the, the Lord encamps all around us. We're not alone. He encamps around your situation. The angel of the Lord encamps around us. Take courage this morning, church, that the angel of the Lord encamps around your situation, your storm. You're not alone. Jesus told us that he is our rest. Maybe this morning you need rest from the storm. Maybe you just need to sit and rest. Maybe you're exhausted. I know what that feels like. Maybe your mind is going ten to the dozen. Maybe that you are striving for things that the Lord is saying, just rest just rest for Jesus said that I am rest for your souls that's his promise in Isaiah 41 10 he says do not fear for I am with you so why do we fear if he's told us not to fear it's <laughs> a great question why do we fear when he's told us not to fear. Perhaps he's praying that later and that is what you think the Lord has said to you on Wednesday night around that scripture. Do not fear for I am with you. Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear for I am with you. Absolutely incredible. His word is sharper than any two-edged sword. But most importantly, as I said previously, it gives you kingdom perspective. If you don't read the word of God, how do you know what his kingdom's perspective on your storm is? If the word of God is not in your boat, it's not in your spirit, how can you have hope and confidence in his word? You can't. 
It's as simple as that, church. And I'm sorry if that goes down a bit harshly in, in some hearts, but the point here is, unless you devote time to reading the Word of God, your storm will be looked at from the perspective of your own flesh and the world. That is not good or healthy for anyone in this room, for we are children of God. We are children of God. Therefore, understand what the children of God should be looking at from the perspective of the Word of God. Kingdom perspective. As I preached a few weeks ago, it's the position of where you are that makes all the difference. Are you with Jesus, looking into him, looking into the world, or are you with the world, looking at Jesus? If you're at the world, looking at Jesus, then I'd suggest this morning something's not right. Your feet need to be with Jesus, looking into the world, and looking at the troubles and tribulations of the world, based on the very facts of him. Church, this is so important. If you're in the world and you're looking at Jesus, wow, your perspective is not right. You need to be with Jesus. Number one, looking into your situation, looking into the world and all the trials and tribulations. Only he can change the situation. Only his truth can change the situation. Only his way can change the situation. For he said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He says that he is the light of the world. Do you need to remind you who he is? He is the life and resurrection. He is the bread of life. He is the vine. He is the gate. He is the shepherd. He is the redeemer. He is the comforter. He is the everlasting father. He is our Lord, our Savior, our God. There is no other God before him, and there will be no other God after him. For he is the name above all names. Listen, where are you anchored this morning? Where is your ship anchored? Where is your boat anchored? Anchoring him. The Bible tells us he should be the anchor for our souls. Is it your anchor this morning? Interesting, when you drop the anchor, your boat does not move. So the waves can come, but it, move, it doesn't move. It stays exactly where it is. But with Jesus. Amen? Your boat should be anchored with Jesus. It doesn't move unless he moves it. Guys, so how do you respond this morning to what we've talked about? How do you develop a storm of peace and faith? It starts with you. It starts with your understanding of the Word of God. You can't cultivate a godly peace through the flesh. You can only create the godly peace through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. It starts with you. He doesn't change. It starts with your positioning in the boat and what's in the boat. 
That's what you need to take away this morning. What you need to do to create a storm of peace and faith, to overcome the storm of the world, is to have Jesus in your boat. How do you get him in your boat? You need to invite him into your boat. It starts with you. Draw near to God and he draws near to you. Guys, once he's in your boat, things may not change initially as you would think. But the faith that is in the boat through your faith is the cornerstone. The cornerstone. Hallelujah. I just want to leave you one final scripture. In Isaiah, sorry, not in Isaiah, in, in, the, in, in Psalms, he says that he keeps all your tears in a bottle. He sees you. He sees you weeping. So precious is he to you. So, so precious are you to him. He keeps all your tears Father, I just want to close. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for the word, Lord, that you, you gave me this week, Lord. And I, I thank you, Father, that the boat is the most important thing. But actually, more importantly, it's the content of the boat. Lord, I pray that all of us in the storms of life we would put in our boat your presence. Lord, we put in the boat your word. Jesus, we would invite into the boat your Holy Spirit. And Father, let us drop the anchor and be confident of who you are and what you do because we are children of God. Let us not lean on our own understanding, Lord. But let us be confident that we have the perspective of the kingdom and what that means in our situation. Guys, I thank you for listening this morning. Remember, it's the storm of peace and faith that you need to cultivate that will overcome the storms of the world. In Jesus' name, I thank you.